Welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Amen. All right. Well, folks, this morning, um, I'm going to be doing something a little bit different. We're going to be talking about generosity. Okay, we're going to be talking about giving. So I've got a talk. I've got slides. It's called Love Gives, and it's about entering into the joy of giving. Can I get an amen at the beginning of this? Sound good? Come on, lift your hands with me this morning. Let's pray together. Hallelujah, Lord. We bless you this morning. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that it was for the joy set before you that you endured the cross. Lord, you gave of yourself. Lord, you stepped down from glory, having everything, and became nothing, entered into poverty so we could know what it is to walk in abundant life. And you're calling us, Lord, to reflect your wonderful, open, glorious heart of giving, Lord. Thank you. We shouldn't be afraid of topics like this, but we should embrace them. We pray tonight, Lord, we, or this morning even, we would grow in joy. And Lord, let our hearts be cheerful. So when we see needs, Lord, we can respond the way you did when you gave everything. Hallelujah. All righty, folks. Are you ready? Let's do it. Oh, I thought I did. If there are any other kids here, you can go as well. Amen. Oh, I thought that was missed. Okay. Right. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about money this morning. That's okay. Uh, but I do want to start with a joke, okay? Uh, I do want to start with a joke. And so there were two men on an aeroplane that crashed on a desert island. These two men are there. And one man seems to be comfortable in his situation. He's sitting in the wreck. He's sort of nonplussed and nonchalant. And there's another man who's gone into a state of panic. So these two men are there together. And one man is in panic. He goes, listen, I need to find, we need to find fresh water and food. If we don't, we're going to die. And the man, the other man, the nonplussed man sort of sits amongst the wreckage and goes, you know what? I think we'll be fine. And the guy turns to him and says, what are you talking about? What do you mean you think we'll be fine? And he goes, well, listen, I make 250,000 euros a year. And the man goes, what does that have to do with the situation we're in now? doesn't matter how much you earn. We need food and we need water. And so the man storms off and goes one end of the island to the other end of the island, looking for fresh uh, water, looking for food, and he finally comes back, and the man hasn't left from the place where he was, where he was sitting initially. And so the man comes back and goes, I don't think you understand the gravity of this. I can't find water, I can't find food, and all you can talk about is your wages. And the guy goes, no, listen to me. I make 250,000 euros a year. I give 10% of it to my church. My pastor will find me. (laughs) We'll be home in no time. (laughs) My pastor will track me down. 
he will find me. So we've got Tom, we've got Tom Hanks here. Clearly not a big giver. He's been there for a while. Amen. <laughs> so look, I know what you're, I can hear you. I can perceive your thoughts this morning. Not another money talk. Well, listen, folks, Jesus spoke more about money than any other topic. He spoke more about money than hell. He spoke more about money than prayer. He spoke more about money than anything else. When you check out your Bible, there are 2,000 verses dedicated to money. So Jesus made money his number one topic. And why? Why did he do it, folks? Because he knew its potential. Jesus understood the potential of money. Money is a good servant, but it's a bad master. I got an amen this morning. It's a good servant, but it's a bad master. Jesus, Jesus said in Matthew 6, verses 21, he says, where your heart is, where your treasure is, excuse me, there your heart is. Okay, so money can do a lot of good when it's not mastering you. But when it's mastering you, it's sort of tough to see good things happen in your life. So Jesus says that you can't serve both God and money. Now, when you look at that word money in the original language, it's, well, you go to the King James, it's deceitful riches, but actually at its roots, it's a word called mammon. It's mammon. So Jesus says you can't serve God and mammon. There's a tension there. There's something competitive going on. And this is what I want to say this morning to you. Money speaks. Money talks. Let me break it down, okay? Jesus says you can't have serve God and serve money, okay? So money speaks. It talks about us and it talks to us, okay? So when you see somebody, okay, a lot of the times somebody's spending habits will tell you everything you need to know about them, okay? They will tell you everything you need to know about them. So uh, I'm going to use myself as an example. You could look at me and, and maybe my money is saying, ba-da-ba-ba-ba, just do it. <laughs> that kind of thing, right? So uh, I, in fact, the other day, uh, my Revolut told me how much money I spent in McDonald's last month. I'm not going to tell you how much it was, but money tells people about you, your spending habits. It talks about the things that you prioritize in your heart. But folks, money also speaks to you. It also speaks to you. Both God and money make promises, folks. They both promise you things. They both promise you security. They both promise you significance. They both promise you value. Amen. They both promise you stature. Money makes promises to you. It talks about you, but it makes promises to you. And to the degree that you empower money in your life, to the degree that you see money as able to do exceedingly more than you can ask or imagine, you will hold on to it. Amen? You will. Listen, the more we empower money in our lives, the harder it is for us to part with it. If we think it can give us security, if we think it can give us significance, if we think it can give us satisfaction, it's sort of hard to let it go. Amen? Good news this morning, just in case you think that this is a, another televangelist, you know, who says money can't buy style. 
<laughs> okay, that's not what's going on here. Unfortunately, so much of the Christian world has been tainted by men and women who are simply trying to get into the pockets of the people they're speaking to. But God doesn't actually need your money. He doesn't. Scriptures say he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. God, God, God says the silver and the gold are mine. But God wants what money represents in your life. God wants your heart. Amen. God is after your heart. God wants you to trust him. Amen. So this morning, we're going to look, hopefully briefly, at the three P's of giving. Okay, there's not a single P in the word giving, but, there, there, but we're going to look at the three P's of giving. Let's do it. Okay, number one, purpose. Giving has a purpose. Let's see. Why do I need to give, you might be asking. Why do I need to give? Well, it says in Deuteronomy 14, verse 23, the purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. That's the purpose. That's the reason. It's not because God needs our tip. It's not because God has an eye on our wages. It's because God is after the order of loves in our hearts. For the purpose of this conversation, I'm go- when I talk, I'm going to define tithing this way. For the purpose of this conversation, tithing is giving sacrificially to God. Tithing is giving sacrificially to God. And if you want God to bless something, you have to put him first in that area. You do. If you want, the, if you want to see grace touch an area in your life, all you have to, listen, I'm giving you gold here, folks. <laughs> For free. Put God first. So I'm going to use me and Laura as an example, not because we're great, but because God has had to drag us kicking and screaming to a better place through this area. That's the truth. I, I loathe sort of, you know, putting any, any example up uh, of my own life before you. The only person we should be looking at is Jesus, amen. But I can certainly show you what Jesus has taught me and my wife in this area, amen. Lots of grace. So it's what me and Laura do. We agree on a fixed amount. We believe that the Lord is calling us to give and then we give it no matter what. So it's easy for me to say this, but I'm just going to be real. And my wife's at the back. She might kill me. Uh, just, about, I think it was at 10.47 this morning, she called me to say that the car just wouldn't start. The car had completely given up. So we happen, and I'm just going to be super vulnerable with you this morning. We, are, we definitely can't replace a car right now. We're in a tight squeeze. Okay, that's the truth. But we believe that God is going to provide for us. We believe God is going to be what he says he is, faithful and true. So our car problems are really his problem. Amen? Because he loves me because I belong to him. And he loves what I love. And he's given me a wife. And he's going to provide for me and my wife. So we're not touching our tithe. We're not. That's not what it's for. There are needs in our lives. God, deal with those. But the tithe is the tithe is the tithe. We're just giving what God has told us to give. What happens after that is up to the Almighty, no matter what. We have learned that our financial security isn't based on what we make, but what we give. Not what we make, but what we give. So when I loosen my grip on money, Money loosens its grip on me. Amen? When I hold money loosely, 
money has to hold me loosely. When I make money my provider, my gyra, when I make it my everything, when I make it the crutch on what I lean on, when times are hard and things are difficult, when I do that, money has a hold on me. I'd never seem to have enough. Can you identify with that? The more we elevate money, the more power we give it, the more power it has over us. So here's a prayer for us this morning. Lord, money can't provide for me like you can. So I'm demonstrating it by letting it go. I'm making a faith decision to give what I know can't really give me what I need. Amen? Folks, there are things that money can't buy. Oh, come on. Yeah? There's things money can't buy. Let me prove it to you. Let me show you. Things money can't buy. Biblical things money can't buy. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, just generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You can't buy those, folks. You can't buy them. They're, they're too expensive. The price of those things was demonstrated on the cross of Jesus Christ. Just because it's freely given in the spirit that abides in us doesn't mean that it's cheap. Amen? You can't buy those things. But you know, that's not all the Bible says you can't buy. You can't buy time. You can't buy happiness. You can't buy inner peace. You can't buy integrity, love, morals, health, self-respect, trust, patience, class, common sense, dignity, and security. They're all biblical things money can't buy for you. Hallelujah this morning. Hallelujah. Let money lose its grip this morning on you and on me. Why else should I be given? Well, because it's a joy. Amen? <laughs> it's a joy. It's a joy, folks. It is a joy to be able to give. Paul talks in 2 Corinthians 8 about the Macedonians, a people who the Bible says were poor and going through a great trial, yet were experiencing the joy of the Lord. And it was the joy that pushed them toward extravagant gifts because the church in Jerusalem had even less than them. Folks, it's powerful. Let me show you. I don't have time to read it, but there are a few points on this topic that I'd love to just say. They were presented with a need. The saints in Jerusalem. Folks, there is much need around us today. And you don't need money to give. All you need is joy. What is given in joy, God is able to multiply. Hallelujah, it's the truth. And the next thing, they gave out of the depth of their joy, not the depth of their pockets. That's what happens. Their giving went above and beyond when they reached not into their pockets, but into their joy. Hallelujah. And there's a call, Paul says, it's here in verse 7. Since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, and uh, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in the act of giving. So there's this call on us to excel in generosity. And then Paul tells us why. Why we can excel in generosity. 
Verse 9, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. Hallelujah. We can be generous because Jesus held nothing back. Isn't it wonderful this morning? He gave no second thought. He saw our need and although he had everything, he gave. He became nothing so we could walk an abundant life. It's the secret of joy this morning. Second P, place. So you might be asking, well, why can't I give to a charity or an organization or an online ministry instead? I am giving, just not here. Let me show you. First of all, let me make a point. Tithing isn't charity. It's an act of worship. It goes to God. Okay, so let me say that this morning. Not with a stick, but to encourage you to see it for what it really is, to elevate your view of giving. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9.11, speaking of the apostles and their ministry, if we've sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? So what is Paul saying? Where you benefit spiritually, give materially. Where you are blessed, give a blessing. This is simple enough. It's reasonable. Amen. It's <laughs> Tumbleweeds blow through the auditorium as Patrick continues on speaking about money to the people of Cork Church. I didn't sign up for this, they tell me. So me and Laura again. I'm going to, again, total honesty. Um, Laura and I give to the church we are in. That was a journey. It was a journey. We always tithe, just not regularly. Okay, so it's been, thankfully God broke through that. And it's been a good number of years now where we've uh, given regularly and there's no issue. In fact, we just give an offering and we give it by direct debit. We'll touch on all that stuff later. But God taught us to give to the church we're in and to sow where we're planted. Amen. And anything else given to another ministry or charity or organization is extra. It's a gift. So there's some wonderful ministries around the world. Uh, I'll name drop one. We love compassion in our house. We've got a compassion kid. We love it. We just love it. He's on my fridge. He looks at me every morning as I reach in to, you know, find something to eat, rummage around. So we've got a compassion kid. But, but, the, but what we give to compassion is extra. It's not our tithe. It's something different. It's a what if thing. And I'm going to burn through this really quickly. It's encouraging though. What if? So what would happen if all believers everywhere were to increase their giving to a minimum of, let's say, 10%? Well, there would be an additional 165 billion for churches to use and distribute. And the global impact of that would be phenomenal. Let me show you. 25 billion could relieve global hunger, starvation and deaths from preventable diseases in five years. 12 billion could eliminate illiteracy in five years. 15 billion could solve the world's water and sanitation issues, specifically at places where the, uh, in the world where 1 billion people live on less than $1 a day. 1 billion could fully fund all overseas missions work. And 100 to 110 billion would still be left over for additional ministry expansion. When Jesus said, when Jesus left a church, he left a solution. 
when Jesus left the church behind, he left in his body the solution to human suffering and to eternal suffering. Folks, when we begin to grow into this concept that God has left more than the solution to eternal suffering, i.e. the gospel in, in our hands, he's also left us the means to meet the suffering in the world now, I think something will enter our hearts. I, the church was always meant to be a dynamic movement that alleviated suffering wherever it encountered it. And it's amazing. Last P, promise. Maybe you're saying this morning, I want to give. I'm just afraid I won't have enough for my family. Bible says in Proverbs 3, 9 through 10, honor the Lord by giving him the first part of all your income and he will, and he will fill your barns with wheat and barley and overflow your wine vats with the finest wines. Now, if you're sitting here this morning saying, if I tithe, God will give me a wine cellar. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what this verse is saying. Wine is a picture of abundance in the scripture. God knows how to outgive us. Amen. He knows how to give. Hallelujah. C.S. Lewis said this, I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. That's an interesting one, isn't it? To give more than we can spare. In 1 Kings 17, there is a widow Elijah encounters in Zarephath. And what's so amazing about this widow is the Bible says before he even met her, the first thing Elijah, God says to Elijah uh, when he leaves the brook Cherith is, I've commanded a widow in Zarephath to feed you. And folks, it's funny, we, we already sort of know this. I'm not just saying this, and uh, you know, for the first time you're hearing it, you know it and I know it. And so the Bible says Elijah shows up in Zarephath and he speaks to the woman and he says, can you grab me some water? Uh, the text says a little water, which she has no problem with. And we all have are comfortable giving a little, amen? We're comfortable with that. So she goes, she gets the water and then he says, will you bake me a cake as well? And that there for the woman was the line of, that was the line. So this is comfortable. Water is comfortable. Water, you know, okay, I can do water. Bread though. And straight away, she gives reasons why she can't do it. I can't bake you bread. I only have enough wheat and oil for me and my son to bake a cake and then die. I don't have enough for my family. And what does Elijah say? He says, do it anyway. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Give it. Give to God first. Give it to God first. And so she goes and she does it. as this amazing act of faith. And then what happens? The Bible says that the bread didn't run out that the oil, the wheat, the oil didn't run out. And she ate, and her son ate for many days, according to the word of the Lord, according to the promises. It's amazing. God is able to multiply. God is able to take what we give in faith and multiply it. And so what's the crux of the story of the widow of Zarephath? Don't be afraid. Give it to God. 
And the Bible says in the King James Version, the oil will not fail. The cruise of oil will not fail. God has given you something that will not fail. The Spirit of God in you is enough. Hallelujah. God has given you something. There's more than money going your direction. There's things that are of higher value than money. Grace and favor. Hallelujah. Favor is better than money. Hallelujah. Don't be afraid. Put God first. The cruise of oil will not fail. God says in Malachi 3.10, test me. Test me. Whoa, Pat, I thought you're not supposed to test God. Well, you're not, except if he asks you to test him. So here he said, I actually want you to put me to the test here. I, I want you to test me. Let me read the verse to you. It's well known, but I want to say it again. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, the storehouse being the place where you worship, so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, said the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Hallelujah. Wonderful. Folks, the only things we can keep are the things we freely give to God. And that's the truth. That test me. Give it to me. I know how to give it back to you. The months where Laura and I gave, it stretched. And the months where we didn't, we never had enough. That's the truth. And listen, if you're anything like we were, you never do two months. Oh, yeah, I'm not going to do this month, but I'll give double next month. You're not giving, but the double next month. Tell the truth and shame the devil. You're not giving two months. <laughs> We're not good. You know, if you're like me, you get closer to the time. You're like, you know, the, I mean, uh, 79% or maybe just 20% on top. So we start straight away to bargain, to say, I don't have enough bread and oil for me and my son. That's what we do. But God knows how to stretch it. Be a total giver and be assured that what was emptied when you give will be refilled by God. Hallelujah. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. God knows how to outgive you. Can I get an amen this morning? Amen. We serve a giving God. He knows how to outgive us. He knows how. The less money can offer us, the less we believe money can give us, the easier it is for us to give or offer money. Isn't it true? When we get a sight of the God who gave it all for us, when we get a vision of the God who gave everything to us, it's easy for us to give money because, after all, money's only money. Long quote, but a good one. Can I read it to you? As base a thing as money often is, yet it can be transmuted into everlasting treasure. It can be converted into food for the hungry and clothing for the poor. It can keep a missionary actively winning lost men to the light of the gospel and thus transmute itself into heavenly values. Any temporal possession can be turned into everlasting wealth. Whatever is given to Christ is immediately touched with immortality. Hallelujah this morning. What an amazing reality. Whatever is given to Christ 
given out of a cheerful heart, not under compulsion, but because you can, because you're rich in him. Those things God will take and multiply to the furtherance of his kingdom. Folks, there is a city to reach, amen. Men and women to see released into ministry, supported in ministry, churches to plant, a gospel to go forward. Hallelujah. The kingdom of God forcefully advances and forceful men, yes, deliberate men, intentional men, men and women who intentionally and deliberately give, they can see in advance. God can multiply it, not just to me, but to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the whole world. What, God, what is given to God with a cheerful heart, God will multiply. Hallelujah. So the how part, amen? You're very good. You've been very good today, so you have. <laughs> Let's get to the how part. Let's do it. <laughs> how can I give? Well, folks, we are, uh, it's fantastic. We benefit from something called the charitable donation scheme. Okay. And so what that means in short is this, every gift you give actually only equals 69% of the total donation. Okay. So let me give you an example. If you were to give, say over a year, 1,000 euros, that actually ends up being 1,449 euros and 27 cents. That's an amazing provision that our government has allowed us to tap into. Okay. So your money can go further. That's the multiplication we're talking about. Amen. And that's, that's before it even touches the kingdom. That's the grace God can afford even through the government to our giving. There's a couple of ways this can happen. Okay, before we get to that, um, there is a proviso and that proviso is that there is, um, it's called an end of year tax certificate that we actually need you to sign, which allows us get the extra that we can put into the kingdom. So uh, I, myself, Magella uh, and Morris will actually be at the back this morning. We're going to be there for a couple of different reasons. We'll talk through them uh, later, but we are there for any more questions you might have regarding that. But let me show you how it is we actually give here at Cork Church. So there's cash, the old-fashioned way, uh, electronic payments, regular giving, one-time gifts, and then there are international gifts. If you're a friend from overseas, you're a part of our wider uh, church family. Uh, and then there are legacies. So let's talk through those this morning. So first of all, cash, okay? So uh, if you want to go retro, amen? <laughs> Just ask for a tithing envelope, okay? Just ask for a tithing envelope. So that's a digital version. This is an actual picture of a tithing envelope right there. So if you want to go retro and use cash, which is, um, you know, rare these days, but if you do, there are tithing envelopes and they're available at every service. And also, if you just want to pop in during the week, you'd like to get an envelope and give. The office is open and we're ready to receive your gift anytime. So the next one is electronic payments. And so to look at electronic payments, here's what we do. And do you like my magic pointy finger there? See that? I was up at 6 a.m., picking the right pointy clicky finger. But in the red carpet area, we've got um, 
a Connect Hub and there we take our electronic payments. Again, you can come into the church uh, anytime during the week, during office hours, if you want to give, uh, but no cash, no problem. Amen. So we've got those, both those types of payments going on. Let's keep going. Oh, excuse me. Okay. Okay. So regular giving. So we believe the best way to give is to give regularly. So right here is our church website, corkchurch.com. Just click here, see, just like that, uh, on the giving icon, okay? And follow the giving icon to um, this screen here as soon as it loads. Right, loaded here, it just didn't load there. Well, I'll wing it. I'll look out instead of at my screen. Okay, so there are actually two ways to get to the giving portals on the Cork Church page. One is to just click the giving icon at the top of the page. The second one is to uh, click the donate button at the bottom of the page, okay? So you can go both ways to get to the giving part and that will give you, that will get you to our giving page, okay, on our website. This is a super important page. If you want to give electronically, online. Okay, so what it says is we would love for you to partner with us at Cork Church through finances. After you click on the button below, why not choose an option to set up monthly payments or give regularly, okay? So you click on the Give Today button. Click on that, which will bring you here. Okay, to the PayPal portal. Dum, dum, dum. Okay, so we're getting closer there. So once you go to the PayPal portal, you've got two options. The first option is to choose a one-off payment or a monthly payment. So, so at this point, we're talking about monthly. And so then you put in your figure. So <laughs> the modest amount of $100 million, okay? The modest amount of $100 million. Okay, so if you are... If you are gracious and kind enough to give, you can just click there anytime you want. Uh, you can just click that and you can donate like that. So that's for a one-off, so, excuse me, that's for a regular payment. <laughs> that's for a regular payment. Okay, so this, folks, by the way, let me just say this to you this morning. A regular payment is a subscription that you won't regret, Okay. So how many of you checked a bank balance and you've seen that you're subscribed to things, you forgot you're even subscribed to them and you're almost regretting that you're subscribed to them? Regularly giving to God will never be a subscription that you regret. Amen. So we can go online in the way I tried to show you there on the screen. Uh, but we can also give, uh, you can also give regularly by direct debit or standing order. So this morning we will be in the back, myself, Magella, Morris, if you are uh, willing to take a step of faith over the line from water to bread, amen. Uh, we're happy to help you through that. Uh, we've got end of year tax certificates if you want to sign those. If you want to take a step of faith and become a regular giver, it can happen through direct debit today, or of course it can happen via PayPal on the website. So one-time gifts, can happen in three ways. We've got our envelopes. You can give by cash. You can give by card electronically. Or again, with the clicky finger, you can go to the website through uh, our pay portal and give um, on PayPal. 
So we're blessed in Cork Church, nearly done folks. We are blessed in Cork Church to have many, many friends from around the world. And uh, if you are watching online even this morning and your heart is to give to the work of God, there's a way that you can do it. So back on this page again, all you need to do is look down here below the donate button and you have uh, Bix and IBANs to some of our international accounts. The reason that we have international accounts is they're not in Zurich or the Caymans, don't worry. The reason why we have them is because a lot of money can be lost through the conversion rate. So it's much easier to simply have an account in whatever um, uh, currency is being given in. So finally, uh, legacies. And uh, obviously this is a, a more, uh, you know, this is a more sober uh, uh, many, many people, uh, as they get older, begin to see the validity and the work uh, of the gospel and the kingdom of God. It's true. Um, as you go on, as life goes on, uh, as children leave and start their own lives and have their own children and so on, you can sort of be looking at a, a legacy. You can be looking at a posterity. And so many men and women that we know have actually, you know, approached us and other churches to say, I would like to give to the work of God. I'd like to put something in my will to give to the work of God. So it can be a gift that keeps on giving even after I'm promoted. Do you know, and what a wonderful gesture to say, I'm, I'm, tithing to you know even at the in the final stages of life and uh, we've uh, been blessed there is a solicitor here in Cork a friend of the church who's agreed to uh, not charge uh, for a will to draft it up uh, if the person whose will is being drafted agrees to or wants to donate to the church uh, or any church to the kingdom of God. So that's a massively generous gesture from that solicitor. And uh, again, it's a question, or if you have a question about that, please let us know in the back. And finally, folks, I am so nearly done. Are you ready? Finally, here we go. Remember, it's not the size of the gift. It's the size of the sacrifice, not the amount but the amount of faith involved in the sacrifice. I'm not giving to God out of my surplus. He's letting me keep his. He lets me keep 90%. It's amazing. I love this quote. If you want to be a conduit for God's grace, you don't have to be lined with gold. Copper will do. And not a great quote this morning. Copper will do. Okay, you can never outgive God, folks. Be generous to God and He will open the windows of heaven over your life. He will. He will. Test me. Try me in this. You know, 2 Corinthians 8 9, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, so that by His poverty, he can make you rich. Thank, thank you, Lord. Come on. Thank you, Lord, this morning. Thank you, Lord. You saw our need and you didn't hesitate. You saw our need and you didn't flinch. You saw our need and you gave. God bankrupted heaven. He saw the need of man and he bankrupted heaven to meet that need. And God simply calls us to walk after him in that he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him 
graciously give us all things. Finally, there's a song called The Gift Goes On. And I'll read the lyrics to you. The Father gave the Son. The Son gave the Spirit. The Spirit gives us life. So we can give the gift of love. And the gift goes on. 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 Look at this. I've got more lyrics. I'm just going to read them out really quick. Do you love to get a present wrapped in a Christmas bow? God gave each to us a present on that night so long ago. It's a gift that keeps on giving if our spirits can receive. It's the secret joy of living if our hearts can just believe when your life is full of Christmas, then your life is full of love. You can give away the presence that began with God above. Love gives, folks, just like ripples in the water. The circles of our love extend. What was started with the Father is the gift that has no end. God, help us to be generous. We've received the greatest gift. He has given everything. He will graciously give unto us all things. Lord, help us to be rich to the kingdom that has given so much to us. Amen this morning. Church, thank you so much. Pastor Nick, would you come Praise the Lord. Patrick, I'm just going to have to qualify that joke at the start of your presentation this morning. Um, I do not know who gives in the church. Amen. And that's probably the reason why. So you can be assured this morning of confidentiality there. Thank you so much, Patrick, for sharing that. Uh, we've been wanting to do a comprehensive sharing on giving for a while. And, um, and we, we all knew that this was the right guy to present this this morning in a very holistic and very faith-filled way, amen. We thank God this morning that we, have to, we as Christians must move to that place of maturity, amen. The, the Apostle Paul says that his chief aim was to produce every man mature in Christ. And the scriptures are the foundation of our living and how we express ourselves and give ourselves to the work of God. I'm not going to preach. I have a whole word there. But I'll do for another time. I, I just think there was so much feeding in this this morning. Because every aspect of the Christian's life, and I mean every aspect, comes under the authority of God's word. We are not a la carte Christians. We take this little piece because we like it. We take that little piece. If we learn anything from the Passover, the Passover, when they ate the Passover lamb, they had bitter, bitter and sweet herbs with the lamb. And you had to eat the whole thing together. And it was a whole picture. And uh, even though there can be pain in the offering... Uh, we thank God that he's already demonstrated his love for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe upon him would not perish but have, ever, ever, have everlasting life. Generosity is, not speaking, sorry, generosity is not something that comes later after you've accumulated wealth. It's something you live out wherever you are in life. It's not something that just shows up. It's a lifestyle that you cultivate. My, we don't have a, a big garden. We don't have a big house. We don't have a big garden. Uh, but I love what my wife does with a little bit of a courtyard garden that we have. She's cultivated over many years a beautiful, flourishing little garden, even in the midst of our small home. Uh, and, uh, and that's what we do with our life. We cultivate 
um, every aspect of our spiritual growth. In our, and our giving is just mere one. Service is others. How we use our physical time. Uh, every aspect of the Christian is submitted to the word of God. This is only but one. But I emphasize this morning, if you are a Christian, every area of my life, he is Lord. Amen. The Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, while giving yourselves, I put, I, he starts off by saying, I, put, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. Generous people in our culture today are no different from generous people mentioned in the Bible. Generous people, generosity becomes part of a person's DNA. It permeates every area of our lives. And so in closing this morning, as we're going to worship, uh, we've already given this morning, and uh, you won't be hearing talks like this every week at Cork Church, but you've heard a good one this morning. Two questions for us to ask ourselves as Christians. How generous are you? And an equally important question is this. How are you generous? The more generous you are, and the more ways you are generous, the richer you become. I was going to speak on the Good Samaritan, because that to me is a great picture of what a real Christian should look like. He didn't have a theory of generosity. A man fell among the thieves. He came across him bleeding and dying on the road. He just didn't have a theology of the poor man. Let me just help him. I'll put some time into him. We like putting time into people. It also cost him finances. It cost him time and substance to pour in the oil and the wine, to bring him to an inn, to finance his health. And this is true religion, friends. When, when, um, when I started pioneering the church with my mom and dad and Gavin and my wife and a few other people years and years ago, and we worked hard. God gave us great growth and we saw tens of, we saw thousands of people reach for the gospel for sure over the years. But I remember with Pastor David Wilkerson 15 years, 16 years ago, and I sat with him and I said, Brother Dave, um, the church is growing, but I'd like to see it grow more. And uh, would you have anything to share with me? And he said to me, um, feed the poor as the church, not just as an individual, as the church, feed the poor. And I didn't give it too much thought because, hey, our poor here get 200 euros a week if you're a single person on the dole or more or whatever. And is, is there really poor people? I have all these arguments in my mind and all these you know, class wars going on inside me as to why we shouldn't do this. And he looked, and I gave him those answers, and he looked at me. He said, it's not an optional extra. The church is meant to be feeding the poor. The church is meant to be educating the people. The church is meant to be reaching every aspect of society. And I remember eventually I went to Brother Hamp. After, we, after a couple of failed attempts, we eventually had got the right candidate. And uh, today we are feeding food support to over 2,000 people in our church. I'm going to be going to Ukraine in a few weeks' time to minister at a conference. And I want to be able to bring greetings from the over 2,000 Ukrainians that we give support to here in this church because of the giving of the people. Do you know that the first, the first, new, the, the first church, the early church, it entered into a Roman world where that world of that first century church, 
They had no consideration for anyone unless you were wealthy and influential. There the people, there was the haves and the have-nots, and there was no middle class. Give no value to people, but the Christian church did. And then when the whole Rome, all the Roman gods and all, all the gods of the Greeks, they didn't care for the poor. The poor, that was your caste, that was your lot in life. Reincarnation, it might come back better next time around, but until then, you treated the caster in. But the scriptures didn't teach that. The scripture taught that every man and woman had inalienable rights and were loved by God. And, 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 and that the gospel was for them to lift them up out of the mire. And what did the Christians do? They started up little hospitals and feeding centers. No United Nations, no governments, education facilities. And the common man, the man and the woman underground that was just making bare, bare subsistence began to say, that, look at those lives, look at the testimony of that church. And Jesus, of course, told us, let your light so shine before men. Let them see your good deeds and let them glorify your Father who is in heaven. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's a whole gospel, friends. The bitter, the sweet this morning. And I don't even think this was bitter. I think this liberated even myself further to say, you know what? It's not going to have a hold of me money. Hallelujah. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website. It's www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time.